there's a new name for Toyota in Glasgow. From one of the UK's biggest names in motor retail. Macklin Motors Toyota is now open in Darnley. We're bringing you everything Toyota, backed by first-class service. So come and meet the team and view the stunning new Toyota range. All available with up to 10-year warranty. Including the all-new Igo Cross and new Yaris Cross compact SUV. See our great choice of approved used Toyotas too. Get expert servicing from our manufacturer-trained technicians. And specialist advice from our Motability team. Visit Macklin Motors Toyota now at Kennishead Road, Darnley. The new name for Toyota in Glasgow. The Go Radio Football Show with MacklinMotors.com Representing some of the biggest motoring manufacturers across Scotland. Let's go! In just over 24 hours' time, we are hoping for the bounce back at Hamden. A week on from that big disappointment in the World Cup playoff semi-final against Ukraine. It was uh, Wales who went on to claim a place in Qatar in November. Uh, Scotland have to lick their wounds. They have to put all of that in the background now. They have to kick on, look ahead, move on, all the cliches. Uh, it's Scotland against Armenia uh, tomorrow night. It's a 7.45 kickoff just around the corner from here at uh, Hamden. I've just been arranging my transport uh, for after the show uh, tomorrow night. Uh, then it is Saturday, five o'clock in Dublin, uh, Ireland against Scotland. And then it's three games in a week because next Tuesday it's the return fixture uh, in Yerevan, I imagine, Armenia against Scotland. My research is at an early stage. It's Rob McLean and Stephen Cragen on the Go Radio Football Show uh, for a Tuesday night. Craig's good to be back. It seems like it's been a while. It does. I mean, that'll be good news to the viewers. It's been quite a while. <laughs> and the <laughs> listeners. Yeah, sorry, the, the listeners. They've all just switched off now and back. But certainly it's, um, you know, it's a huge game for Steve Clark and the players. It's been a long week considering what went on last week, uh, sorry, last Wednesday. They'll have watched the game or certainly know the result on Sunday. So, a little bit of frustration, but as a football player, when things go against you, Rob, and there's a little bit of adversity, you just want to get back onto the pitch. You want to try and put things right. And the bigger picture is, this is the start of qualifying effectively for Euro 2024 in Germany. So there's a huge carrot dangling at the end of this group for Scotland. Ireland have already lost in Armenia. So this could be a pivotal week. If they could get nine points out of nine, or even seven points out of nine from these three games, Rob, it puts Scotland in a really strong position. Yeah, it was Armenia 1, Ireland 0 on Saturday and the gaffer was watching. Good. I thought they were good at the weekend. I sat and watched the game live. Uh, I thought they were good in the game. Obviously, you could see they'd maybe suffered a little bit for their friendly defeat in, in March, which was a heavy defeat. Took them 30 minutes to settle into the game and then once they settled into the game, they, they were good and deserved their win. I think they're 92nd or 93rd in the world, but uh, sometimes that doesn't mean so much. I mean, we were talking pre-show about Kosovo, who are outside the, the top 107. the top 100. Yeah. 107th, and Greece are 105. Sorry, Cyprus 105. And that's a group Northern Ireland yeah. are in. And the difficulty is when you go away from home, conditions, the heat, you know, the, the kind of home crowd are up for it a little bit more. I think some players who play for the, the smaller countries... Um, enjoy playing at home more they don't travel very well some of them so they always fancy themselves on home turf and that's what Scotland will have to overcome next week mm. you know, of course they've got this one against Armenia first of all they've got Ireland and Dublin who need to bounce back Ireland need to win otherwise their campaign could be done and dusted so it's two testing games but certainly two games ahead of next Wednesday's game that Scotland can win yeah absolutely uh, and they need to get off to a good start and they need to they need to bounce back they need to get a good win don't they tomorrow night to start feeling good about themselves again because um, it's a tough one really isn't it to 
when you come back uh, from that disappointment of you, you know, in the back of your mind, you're thinking Qatar and November, mm. a World Cup, the first one for 24 years for Scotland, and then suddenly you're starting all over again. It just seems it's as close as I've ever been. Well, not ever, but sorry, since since they last qualified, you probably mm. think that was a one opportunity. A home game against Ukraine and an away game against Wales where you thought Scotland on form, particularly when Wales had arrested a lot of players for their friendly, uh, sorry, for their Nations League opener against Poland. Mm. You just felt if Scotland could have got the win, they would have arrived in Wales with the momentum behind them because, you know, got into the to last week's game, Rob, what, is it eight unbeaten? Yeah, they, you know, yep. they drew their two games prior to that, but yeah, they, and they'd won, and they'd won, they'd won their six competitive games for, before for the first time since 1930. Was I reading yeah. something like yeah. that? So everything was with them, which was even more surprising that when the game kicked off and the performance was a little bit flat. Mm-hmm. You know, the crowd were up for it. You know, then things start to settle down a little bit. Of course, listen, Ukraine had something really purposeful to play for. Of course, Scotland did as well, but you know, they had a real edge emotionally. Mm-hmm. Ukraine had, and they overperformed they probably outperformed what they thought they could do considering a lot of them hadn't played an awful lot of football but Scotland looked a little bit short didn't they fitness wise tactically they were just going back to front they had Lyndon Dykes and Che Adams and they were going back to front there was no kind of link up play there was no fluency about it they looked as if they were continually struggling hitting hopeful long balls forward trying to go in behind and sometimes when you look forward and you see two big aggressive centre forwards your first instinct is let's throw it up to them and see what they can do you know, I just felt they list, you know, particularly in the first half, when you grab the game with the scruff of the neck, they missed a little link player, somebody to do something a little bit different. And when you look at the midfield players available to them, or even attacking players, certainly Ryan Christie, I know he came on at half time, but he's the only really one that's probably different than the midfield players that they have. You know, Carl McGregor likes to come on to the game. John McGinn likes to drive forward with the ball. McTominay midfield is someone who drives forward. Billy Gilmer likes to play behind the game and link it up. So Christie's the one who's different, who wants to start possibly as a centre forward and come off into the game and pick up the ball and turn and make things happen. So they were a little bit one-dimensional. Uh, Ukraine had a little bit more about them, energy-wise, movement, pace. And unfortunately for Scotland, once they got their goal and get the second, there was no way back. Yeah, I think some people were critical of Stevie Clark that he didn't change things a, a little bit earlier. But you have to say, it was only 1-0 at halftime. Could have been more than that had it not been for Craig Gordon. But it, it was only 1-0, so it was salvageable at that stage. He did bring on Ryan Christie at that stage. He did change the change the, the look of the midfield. He put an extra body in the midfield where Scotland were short. Mm-hmm. Um but it, but it was that it was it was that second goal, which was a really cheap goal to give away. It was at that point where you thought there is no way back here. Well, when Stevie Clark made the change, it was to just you said it was to bring fresh impetus. So for to get the second goal so quickly into the second half, then you think, oh, you know, it, it's mm. going to be tough from here on in. There was just something missing, which was strange because Scotland haven't been like that. I think it's the 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 type of goal they conceded. You even think of the first one. It's just a simple long ball yeah. over the top. The ball's travelled a long the way. The ball's travelled a long way. And you always say to defending players, if the opposition player in possession has time, you can't either hold your line or step up. You have to drop off and protect the space in behind. Scotland almost froze, which give the player in the ball so much space to put it in behind. So much space used to go and pick them off. And then the second one is a basic cross into the box. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been spoken about already, probably Scott McTominay. He's not a natural centre-half. You know, I think it was at Yarmouchuk got the header. It was. It was. Yeah. You know, and the minute he's waiting for Scott McTominay to close his shoulders and look at the ball, mm-hmm. the minute he does that, two or three yards off the back of him, gives him then the impetus to go over the top of him and to get the header. So it's a small thing about 
positioning, body positioning of Scott McTominay because it's not natural for him to be mm. in that six yard box. It's instinct, isn't it? It is, of course point. it is. Yeah. It's all about opening your shoulders and seeing the ball and seeing the man. Mm. Whereas a, a naive defender or a naive centre half who's, who's not used to playing there, mm. you close your shoulders and suddenly you know if the ball's good, the centre forward's going to get onto it. But then when it goes 2 0, you're right it becomes a struggle for Scotland because they have to overcommit. They've got to throw men forward to get themselves back into it. But really, if it hadn't been for Craig Gordon, it would have been an awful lot more than 3-1. Who was uh, just rewheeling slightly back to the, the, the first goal? Who who was most culpable there? Was it, was it Andy Robertson for, for not tucking in and following Yarmolenko? Was it Liam Cooper? Well, as a, a defensive back five, you know, you can pick them out because it was on their side of the pitch. Mm-hmm. But the rest of them were up level with him mm. you know Grant Hanley is the middle one is the more experienced one he should have been the one dropping back or dictating the line mm. you know he should have been almost giving the information to the players there's no pressure on the ball no pressure on the ball means you go back the way no yeah. pressure on the ball doesn't mean you go forward and you stand still so he should have been aware of that yes if Andy Robertson gets caught Liam Cooper has to help him if Liam Cooper gets done Grant Hanley has to help him so the fact that they were all in the same line and so high and, tr- and trying to be aggressive and it's fine going to press Rob and it's fine trying to stop teams playing. But if the, the player in the ball gets a chance to lift his head, you've got to think, right, what's next? We have to change something. We can't always be trying to go forward and press. You can only press when there's pressure on the ball. You can't press when there's no pressure on the ball. They get caught in no man's land. They get caught in between. I can't even think who it was that played the pass, but he must have... Mal- looked, Malinowski. It was Malinowski. He must have looked and thought, wow, I've got acres to hit. All I've got to do is drop that over the top of Liam Cooper's head in between him and Andy Robertson and there's a runner inside. That's exactly what happened. So, naive defending to say the least. That's a poor first goal to lose in such a big game when Scotland hadn't been playing well. But Ukraine, naturally, when they're playing well, they have to strike. And I think Scotland certainly played into their hands. We've heard from Stevie Clark. We're also going to hear a little bit from Scott McKenna. Uh, and there must be a fair chance he's going to start. I thought, well, I think most of us in the studio in the build-up to that <coughs> to that last game thought, thought he, he would have started that one just because uh, he was flying with Nottingham Forest who'd just won promotion to the English... Premier League um, that's all history now but he might, might just start tomorrow night uh, here's Stevie Clark again and he just, he's determined um, at the media conference today to to be stepping forward you can understand that he doesn't want to be looking back I think you're watching the game and you, you're thinking that Ukraine were better than us on the night uh, analysis is, is what we do that's part of the process we, we go away we look at it but you have to move on to the next game and rather than harking back and harking back I know you guys want to go back all the time but me and the players, we want to look forward. He's bridling a bit there, isn't he? Isn't he, Stevie Clark? I mean, it's natural that it's not just because of uh, what we in the media are and what we want to do. It's not quite. It's not looking back for looking back's sake. It's looking back to actually see how it went wrong and how you prevent it happening again, isn't it? It is. But even if that question had got through, I don't think Stevie Clark would have give the answer everyone wanted because he would have given the answer to the players. They will have spoke about it as a group. They will have analysed it. I'd imagine he's had his meetings of how they're going to change and what they're going to do different, what they would do if this scenario happened in the game where the player in the possession, uh, Malinowski, had time in the ball, you wouldn't step up. Centre-halves open your shoulders. All those things would happen. So I don't think he would want to sit five or six days after the game and talk about it once again. That will have probably been done mm-hmm. and the training in the last few days will have been ahead of Armenia tomorrow night. So... Um, Managers are a little bit prickly. You know, when you win, it's great. You'll answer any question you want. When yeah. you get beat, you don't like to dig things up. Although the press do, because that's probably the first time they've had to speak to him since the game. Yes. When everyone's probably sat down and analysed the game yeah. as much as Stevie Clark has, 
people in the press will have maybe analysed it, watch the highlights, watch the game, and a few other things have came to their mind of what happened mm. in that game. But he's thinking, I've got something else in my mind. I've got another game in my mind. So yeah. we've actually put that to bed. I don't want to regurgitate all that again in the press when mm. it's been done. So, um, listen, as a manager, you're open for criticism. You're open for criticism of your tactics, of your shape, of your substitutions, of the players, of you as an individual, of what you've done. Naturally, that has to happen. Mm. However, um, you know, there, there's been some calls for Stevie Clark to move on and stand aside. I think that's a little bit premature, I have to yeah. say. You know, Scotland are as good a place as they've been for many a year. Yes, they fell short, you know, particularly Czech Republic in the first game of the Euros at Hamden Park was mm. a big disappointment. There was a big disappointment on uh, last Wednesday night. So people are starting to question why is that? Is it a player's mm. mentality? Is the man does the manager too, too negative? Two big occasions yeah, too where big Scotland exactly. fell flat. Both at Hamden Park. Yeah. You know, both both in front of big crowds. Mm -hmm. You know? So uh, these are all things that will be eating away at Stevie Clark and will be eating away at the players. They will just want another opportunity to go out and, and try and put themselves in that position again. But they won't get as good an opportunity as that. You know, a home game against Ukraine who hadn't played for a while and then potentially going to Wales. So underneath it's a frustration and they'll just want to go back out tomorrow night and try and put it right. David Marshall won't be involved tomorrow night. He won't be involved again for Scotland. He's announced today that uh, he's retiring from international football. So it will be Liam Kelly and Xander Clark who will continue as backup goalkeepers to Craig Gordon. Maybe a bit of a surprise. He's turned 37. Uh, but that's not... Uh, uh, not, that's not retirement home age for a, for a goalkeeper when 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 Scotland's <laughs> number one uh, is is approaching forty uh, at the end of this year. Bit of a the timing's a bit of a surprise because you you would have thought he would have just waited for these games uh, to go. Yeah, couple of things about it. He's looked at Craig Gordon and thought, I'm not going to get a game <laughs> because Craig Gordon's mm. been that good. And I'm not saying he, he he's going to retire just out of that. He's also probably looked at his club commitments and thought, I've got a job to do at Hibs. He may have a different role at Hibs where there's a coaching involved. So I think, I want to commit myself to that. I want to make sure everything's right club level when I'm going to come away on international duty and I'm not going to get game time. I'm not going to get playing and I want to take a new pathway in football. I want to be a player coach or a goalkeeper coach to potentially move him down the line. So rather than hang about and clog up, maybe for the likes of Liam Kelly and for Xander Clark and for Robbie McCrory or whatever other young Scottish goalkeeper coming through, he's thought, I'll step aside and allow the pathway to be clear for them. John McLaughlin's another one. I'll step aside, allow the pathway to be clear for them because I'm not going to have an impact in the next two or three years. So it's it's probably been a sensible decision for him. It just, you know, the time it is strange, why not just finish this campaign? But maybe he wants to go and get a little bit of downtime before mm. the season starts because as a player and a coach, it's going to be a busy season for him. He retires a legend, um, not yeah. just because of uh, that penalty shootout save in Belgrade, um, but he turned in a lot of good performances mm -hmm. for Scotland around that time. Uh, terrific. And he will be fondly remembered, Sir David Marshall, uh, pretty much. Uh, maybe he might get the knighthood eventually, but unofficially he is anyway. And he's going to be a step up for Hibs, I would think, next season. Uh, Matt Macy, not one that's ever totally convinced me, I would have to say. Craig's don't know about you. I mean, he's a big unit, um, but not totally. I don't think the Hibs fans were, were totally convinced, were they, about Matt Macy? I know it's and there funny. has been talk about him moving hasn't there there's yeah. talk about him moving on you'd imagine if David Marshall's coming into play Matt Macy will have to move on somewhere else is it Kem Dabrowski yeah below him is probably the ideal number two then you know he can learn off David Marshall they can learn off a more experienced goalkeeper uh, he can pass his information on because as a young goalkeeper you, you know you want Matt Macy was what maybe mid 20s mm -hmm. so he's still learning the straight he's still trying to improve and get things better and Dabrowski it's always good as a young goalkeeper even a young player to have a more established experienced goalkeeper who's been around the block or even an outfield player to think what are they doing you know what's that about time and little bits of information little 
gems that they can give you so you can go and learn from that so you'd imagine Matt Macy will be thinking I probably have to move on good goalkeeper but being so young even mid-twenties your best years are ahead of you. There's still a lot of improvement to do, whereas Hibs probably need a more established one. Someone they can rely on and trust and know who's going to look after the ball and, and, and do the right things. David Marshall certainly does that. So certainly an upgrade, I would think. So David Marshall of Hibs, but not David Marshall of Scotland anymore. And it does start you thinking about what the succession plan mm-hmm. is. Maybe it's right in front of us in the squad where we see Xander Clark and Liam Kelly as uh, the understudies to Craig Gordon. I think Stevie Clark will probably be pretty glad if the Hearts keeper and skipper uh, plays for another couple of years. And I guess that's possible as well. Look how agile he is at the age of nearly 40. Um, Because I think with the best will in the world to Liam Kelly and Xander Clark, there is a bit of a gap between Craig Gordon and the rest at the moment. Huge gap, I have to say. You know, they're goalkeepers trying to make their way. They've established themselves at their clubs. They want to play international football. It'll be interesting to see what happens with John McLaughlin next year as well. Because if he becomes Rangers number one, that puts him right in the frame, you'd imagine. Not just because it's Rangers, but because he's playing at a good level. Because he has played at a good level and he's a more experienced goalkeeper than what Liam Kelly and Xander Clark are. But you're right, I think the first choice would be to Craig Gordon play as long as you can. And I think as long as he's fit and available and doing it for Hearts, Stevie Clark will absolutely keep him in his squad. He, he shows no signs of slowing down. We get obsessed, I and mean, I've said it previously about Stephen Davis, we get obsessed sometimes with age. Mm. Oh, he's 37, oh, he's 39. I mean, what? see, as long as your eyes tell you that, that he's doing well, we can all judge, put age aside, look at the individual performances, an outfield player, a goalkeeper. They're in the business and they're making the big saves and there's no signs of slowing up. Keep playing them. They, yes, if things start to deteriorate, and you can see it and the player will know in those conversations, but Craig Gordon isn't ready for hanging his gloves up at any stage now. So that probably gives the likes of Liam Kelly, even Robbie McCrory, John McLaughlin, John's a bit older, Xander Clark, gives them another couple of years Mm -hmm. to try and close that gap, Rob. That's got to be the challenge for those goalkeepers, to try and close that gap and get as close to the standard of Craig Gordon as they can to try and push him for number one. You were speaking there about John McLaughlin at Rangers. Um, Is he, do you think John McLaughlin is good enough to be Rangers number one? I mean, even if Alan McGregor does sign a deal and, and it looks maybe likely that it might be some sort of player coaching mm. thing, he's not going to play as much as he has done. I don't think there's much doubt about that. So it's a question of who the other goalkeeper is. It's been John McLaughlin up till now. Is he at a high enough level, do you think, for Giovanni van Bronckhorst uh, to, to be the man? Or, is it, will, or will he be looking for a goalkeeper? Depending on the role he has for Alan McGregor, if he's due to be back up as a goalkeeping coach, Rangers need another goalie. And I wouldn't think they'd want to bring in another goalie under John McLaughlin. I would think they'd want to bring in one above him. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to bring in, because there's so many pivotal big moments at Rangers. And the, you know, the thing with John McLaughlin, he hasn't had a really sustained run at Rangers. He hasn't played 30 games in a row yeah. where you can get a proper gauge of what he's like. Mm-hmm. But credit to him when he has come in. It's difficult as a goalkeeper to come in and get yourself up to speed if you haven't played for three or four weeks. Or you know, And three or four weeks at Rangers means you can miss seven games because of the European run they had. So for him to come in and have those concentration levels and, and, and for his timing to be right and, and do all the things. So he's done enough certainly to be challenging for it. Mm-hmm. But if Giovanni Van Bronckhurst is looking and thinking, Alan McGregor's going, I can't have someone under Joe McLaughlin because Robbie McCrory's that. Mm-hmm. So it means then you have two goalkeepers under him who really... So I would imagine he'd go for one above him and the challenge then for McLaughlin is to try and get the better off and that's how I'd imagine he would do. On the day that David Marshall announced his international retirement. The Go Radio Football Show with MacklinMotors.com representing some of the biggest motoring manufacturers across Scotland. Let's go!
I'm feeling ill. I just looked up at the TV screen in the studio and I saw Gareth Bale scoring that deflected strike at the weekend against Ukraine and all the celebrations that followed uh, and all the adulation that's been poured the way of, uh, <coughs> I guess, an unsung hero in many ways, the manager, uh, Rob Page, uh, what a job he has done because you, you look at Wales and yeah, of course they've got Gareth Bale and uh, he can he can single-handedly win games for you at times or it seems that way, but you need another 10 on the pitch mm-hmm. And uh, they've got a good uh, team ethic, haven't they? Wales, they they find a way. And even though that was their first World Cup qualification since 1958, um, they've done recently in the Euros very well, not just got there, but actually made an impression when they've got there as well. So um, it, it, it pays to have a little look at what Wales have achieved and how they've done it as well, Craigs, doesn't it? Well, it's listen, they've got a, a few good players who are the, the focal point of that squad. Gareth Bale... Aaron Ramsey certainly thrives when he's playing for Wales. Joe Allen is another one who's been around quite a long time. So, uh, young Dan James got a bit of pace. So, they have a good mix to the squad. You think of even 2016, they got to the semi-final mm-hmm. under yeah. Chris Coleman. Yeah. You know, 2020, they got out of their group. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're now going to the World Cup in 2022. So, so uh, something's really just progressing. Like most smaller home nations countries like Ireland and, and Northern Ireland and, and, and certainly Wales, they will have a a cycle of players where things go well and then they may fall back off again whenever the, the top players move on or the more experienced ones move on you've got to go back and start a game but Wales just seem to have a good youth policy coming through a lot of their players are playing first team football they're about um, the championship lower half the Premier League so they have something that can be sustainable over the next few years but naturally when the big moments have arrived for Wales it's been Gareth Bale who's stepped up and done it so when he's not there then there's going to be responsibility on someone else it just shows I me mean, I think Gordon Strachan spoke about that years ago didn't he when he was manager mm-hmm. that, that Wales have a, a, a world class player who delivers on big moments in Scotland probably weren't any different than, than Wales as a team but maybe lacked that little mm-hmm. spark that one person to go and make a difference I mean for example if Gareth Bale Hypothetical, of course. Gareth Bale playing for Scotland the other night may have just produced something a little bit yep. different yep. himself individually. That's what Scotland needed, yeah. That, that's exactly what they needed, yeah. you know. So, Wales have that. Wales don't always play well and dominate games and are pleasing on the eye, but they just have something. They know when a free kick arrives or a, a penalty, just something that everyone gets excited and thinks, wow, this is going to happen. And Gareth Bale believes it as well. So, it's like difference, but yeah, I mean, it, that's smaller countries have cycles, Rob, and they have spells. Northern Ireland was 82, 86, and then... 2016, 18, 20, Northern Ireland done okay and now they fell back down again. So it's all about recycling the players. As if by magic, uh, Stevie Clark appeared on the TV <laughs> screen on the back of um, having seen Rob Page uh, and having uh, reflected on that uh, deflected bail goal at the weekend, which took Wales to their first World Cup in 64 years. And Stevie Clark was asked today uh, about emulating that achievement. That would be nice. That's what we speak about. That's what we've spoken about since since we didn't make this World Cup is the next two tournaments. I have a squad of players whose ages will be good, uh, whose experience will be good. And if we can emulate what Wales have done, yeah, that would be great. One of the players at a very good age at the moment with lots of development ahead of him is Nathan Patterson. We heard from him on the show uh, last night. He was telling us he's ready. Uh, he's ready for the game. There must be a fair chance that he will play, you would imagine, uh, tomorrow night if he is ready. He's obviously undercooked in terms of games, mm-hmm. but in the past, in the recent past, that hasn't seemed like a big issue for him. Uh, and he he might be just one of those uh, refreshment touches to the team that Clark yeah. can apply tomorrow night. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, and it's you know he, he, when you're when you're a little bit younger, 
you know, enthusiasm can get you through games and just appetite for it because you want to play. So that could certainly help him. He's been in this position before where he hasn't played yeah. and he's turned up and played for international football. So I think that has certainly helped him mentally. Mm. He knows he can do it. Yes, come 65, 70 minutes, he may run out of steam. That means then Stevie Clark can change it. But certainly the attributes that Nathan Patterson has um, suits the system and suits the way that Scotland play with the two wing-backs of Roberts on one side or Tierney if he's fit and available. Of course, he's not this one. Uh, and Nathan Patterson, you would think that would be the long-term solution in that area would be Nathan Patterson. So if he's shown he's available, if Steve Clark's happy with his application and his fitness and where he is generally, then absolutely Nathan Patterson has to play for me. Not far behind him, uh, I would imagine in the next couple of years uh, in the international scene is going to be Calvin Ramsey of Aberdeen yeah. who's younger than Nathan Patterson as well. He's still only 18 and he's not going to be an Aberdeen player for too much longer, I don't think. There's been constant speculation uh, since he came into the Dons team at the start of last season played really well was never really the same after he got injured and came back in again he wasn't able to reproduce what he'd done but the talent is obvious Liverpool clearly fancy him Leeds were on his trail as well sounds like it's going to be maybe three and a half four million pounds Aberdeen will be keen to get the small print onto that deal yeah. uh, to make sure that, that moving on the international appearances and all that sort of stuff they get bonuses because obviously they got a bonus recently for Scott McKenna yeah. when he uh, was promoted with Forrest Ramsey looks a real talent Craggs he does, and you know, if the bid's going to be three and a half, four, four and a half million pounds, Aberdeen would probably like the majority of it up front, <laughs> if possible. Mm. You know, just to help their, their short-term um, cash flow, certainly having that kind of money coming into the club. I mean, there is talk of holding out for a little bit more. Yeah. What do you think? You I know, mean, when you, when you know, look at the, the figure for for Nathan Patterson, it was around about what sixteen million, maybe when yeah. he went. When well, he I went think that was a f that would have been the deal. If, the whole deal if everything's met right. you know if Everton win a trophy if they get mm. in the Champions League if Nathan Patterson plays 100 games all these things will add mm. up potentially to 16 million I mean was Nathan Patterson's deal a little bit overinflated? possibly mm. considering that he hadn't played mm. as many games um, as what people thought I mean does he have the, the the potential absolutely does he have all the attributes yes mm. But, you know, he'd only played, what, 20, 30 games for mm -hmm. Rangers. Probably even started 20 games. Although it just comes you know, down to what a team is willing well, to pay, it, doesn't it? Exactly. That, that's what it comes down to. And, and probably the fact that he'd played senior international football showed that he's more than capable of playing at that level. So mm -hmm. they're not just buying him for the next six months, Everton. They're buying him for the years ahead. Uh, the big challenge for him now is to try and get into the Everton team. You know, it, it, he's been enough of his career without playing football. And that's the big thing for Calvin Ramsey for me. Making that next step. Liverpool, you know, it must be sensational. Financially, it must be great for him. But are you going to play? Are you going to play in the team? Where are you going to play? Are you going to go there and, and and train as a footballer for the next two years and suddenly you've lost the fact that playing in front of crowds, that edge to your game, you, you've just stagnated a little bit. You may be impressing and training, and all, but you need to play football. Mm. He's a young man now that is used to playing first-team football. Yeah. So I think the next step for him has to be into a club where realistically he has a chance of playing in the first team. Not going to be a squad player or an under-23 player because suddenly he's, you know, built himself up to play in front of the crowds and the excitement and the buzz of actually learning to be a professional footballer. And you do that on a Monday to Friday. How you recover on a Sunday, how you train on a Monday, how you eat throughout the week to make sure you're eligible for the Saturday. Whereas you go and play at a bigger club, it's under 23s and a Tuesday afternoon, a Friday evening, a Sunday afternoon. You know, it, it just, I think it loses its kudos a little bit. Yes, you're getting paid well for it and you're a big club, but I think as a young player, when you taste first-team action, Rob, you want to try and get first-team action as long as you possibly can. Aberdeen won't mind if Liverpool come and pay the money, that's fine, they have to look after themselves, but Calvin Ramsey and his advisors, I just hope they make the right decision 
on a footballing basis and mm. it's not just based on finance. Yeah. I mean, the the dream scenario for Aberdeen would be if they could have got the deal through and got him loaned back for yeah. for, for next season. Yeah. But I, I haven't heard any mention of that no. up till now. So it doesn't. It sounds as if if Liverpool were going to sign him and loan him, it might be to an English yeah. an English team where they can maybe keep a closer eye on him. Um, but Aberdeen have to, I guess, have to to get this right you know they don't want to be just jumping at the first attractive deal although I, I would imagine there's quite a few people circling mm. around uh, to be honest but he's a he's a big asset in a summer in which Lewis Ferguson could go as well Yes but you know you bring young players into your group and a club like Aberdeen and most of clubs in Scotland you're a selling club so when you bring players in, whether it's through your youth academy or whether you're bringing Lewis Ferguson from Hamilton, you know further down the line, if you can make them better and you can enhance their careers, give them the platform to go and play, you have to sell. You know, that's the whole ethos of it all. You then get that money and you reinvest it and you go about trying to pinch players of other clubs in Scotland or you bring your young players through again, Connor Barron, for example. If you can get them in the first team, you can get them 50 to 100 games, their value goes up and you move them on again. That's the continual cycle that Aberdeen have to do now, Rob. They can't just sit or expect a young 20-year-old, 21, 22, who's playing excellent, you know, playing very, very well, that he's going to spend 15 years at Aberdeen. That isn't the way it works. So some will go at 20, some might go to 25. But ultimately, that's what they have to do and that's when they have to move them on. Yes, it's a frustration for the Aberdeen fans, but it's a business to run. And the business is that they have to recoup their money. They've got to get it back in again to invest and continually push it and invest it. Then they use Calvin Ramsey when they're trying to sign young players. Yeah. Look at the example. There's the pathway. There's the pathway. Scott McKenna had the pathway. So suddenly you're starting to bring them in. Rand Fraser was another one. So Aberdeen have got a good history, certainly over recent years, of bringing players in and moving them on. Although, um, Ryan, who I've lost his name there. Ran Fraser. Mm. Sorry, he, he didn't go for any money, really, did he? You know, no. he went for. He was he was barely barely in the first team, I think, when he was exactly. Sold. But ultimately, there's a pathway, mm. and that's what they want to try and convince more young players to come to the club, and they're getting well remunerated mm. for it, which is the key. So we're talking there about Calvin Ramsey. What about Calvin Bassey? What are you thinking uh, about the interest that is uh, escalating um, round about? Uh, uh, Calvin Bassey at the moment with Sergio Perini the other day the former Rangers right back saying that there was uh, a lot of clubs in Italy Serie A probably having looked at Aaron Hickey uh, and how one young Scot has done uh, with Bologna um, maybe thinking another Scottish teenager could impress over in Italy as well so a lot of talk about Calvin Bassey mm. English clubs top, some some leading English clubs as well and I think the <laughs> the price tag that probably started in the studio around about 15 million uh, is currently up around 25. Well, you know, it's exactly the point you made about Calvin Ramsey. You're only worth what someone's going to pay for you. Mm. So if someone's prepared to come in and pay 25, that's what he's worth. But looking at Calvin, Ram uh, Calvin Bassey and his performances, particularly against Dortmund and against Leipzig, I would be very surprised if there wasn't a German club or German clubs looking at him and thinking... Because the German market is very strong, actually. They like to go and bring in. They don't mind spending 18, 20 million on a younger player. Mm -hmm. You know, you think of even when Haaland came in. I don't know what Haaland cost, but, you know, like Dortmund in particular. Yeah. They're a club who bring them in, Rob. Are prepared to pay. Even Leipzig done it as well. You know, they bought uh, Antonio with the right back at Manchester City. They bought him for 20 odd million or 18 million. So they're mm -hmm. quite prepared to spend that, thinking they can get them to 60 and 70 or 50 and 60. Mm -hmm. They think they can sell them on. So his performances against Dortmund and Leipzig will have opened the eyes of a few German clubs to think, can we go and, and pinch him? Can we bring him in? Because he's the same as Calvin Ramsey. He's playing every week. He doesn't want to go to an English club and not play. Mm -hmm. He wants to go somewhere and play. English Premier League, 
I think he will play there one and he, day. And he's that bit older. He's 22 he as is, well. He's 22. So he, yeah. So he needs to play. So I just wonder, is there a step somewhere else before he goes to the Premier League? Mm. Some Premier League clubs would rather pay 50, 55 million pounds. I'm not just talking Calvin Bassett. I'm talking in general. They would rather pay for the player 55 million or 50 million rather than get someone at 20 that might not work. They'd rather him go somewhere else and then pay the full price knowing they're getting the player who's coming to play in their first team. Of course, the link is natural with Steven Gerrard because mm. he's had him. But Bassey over the past three or four months of the, or sorry, the last three or, month, three or four months of the season was sensational. Mm. He really was. You know, just his, everything about his game seemed to mature. The one thing that probably he will continue to work on is his distribution out from the back. Mm. You know, that, that little silky balls in the strikers and little reverse balls in the strikers and shorter passes. But certainly, everything else about his game was absolutely top-notch. He's a left-footed. There's not very many top-class left-footed centre-halves. He can play left-back, he can play left-wing-back. So there's so much versatility, mm -hmm. so much to add to it. Figure-wise, I wouldn't want to put a figure on it because I have no idea what anyone is prepared mm -hmm. to pay. But I can imagine if someone came to Rangers and offered £25 million, Calvin Bassey would be gone. Yeah. I would think. Uh -huh. You know, yeah. you would think. I mean, that almost that's, covers... That, well, that's not an amount of money that's regularly splashed around in Scotland. I mean, that's, this, that's, that's Kieran Tierney money, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, you know, does he have the, the similar attributes to Kieran Tierney? Yeah, he does. You know, Tierney was an enthusiastic attacking wing back, a young player with great enthusiasm and appetite for the game. Bassey has that as well. The Rangers fans would love to keep him. However, I just think if there's an offer comes in that Rangers look at and think, wow, that could keep us going for quite a while. That fills the void for the Champions League money and then Europa League money from last season. It's bonus money to go and spend. And let's be honest, could Rangers be, do without Calvin Bassey in the Scottish Premiership? I think they could. Mm. You know, just when you mm -hmm. look at it, mm -hmm. you know, he thrived and his name really came into the spotlight in the Europa League games. Yes. They were the games that everyone was looking at and judging him on. Yes, mm -hmm. he was cruising through Scottish Premiership games, but could Rangers come first or second in the league without yeah. Calvin? Yeah, they could. But, but they could use him when it comes to qualifying they for could, the Champions uh, League. Exactly. So yeah. that's why they might hold on to him deep into August. That's always the theory with Scottish clubs, isn't it? Mm -hmm. If they've got a player who might sell like Dembele at Celtic years ago, they hold on to him and hold mm -hmm. on to him. They get knocked out, then they look to move him on. So. Um, but but he's a terrific talent. Yeah, I mean, he's as you said, I mean, he's made spectacular progress, yeah. particularly under Giovanni van Bronckhorst yeah. since he's arrived. And you just think, I mean, that's basically half a season with van Bronckhorst. If he if he does stay, and Rangers will be desperate to keep him, uh, what could another season of van Bronckhorst and and Roy McKay and all the other coaching team and Calvin Bassey mm. mean? What, what what could he become by the time he's twenty three? Well, I said, I, I think he will earn his reputation playing in European football. You know, because playing at home against Motherwell, they're away against St. Mirren. Clubs aren't going to come and spend £25 million no. on, on watching him. They're no. wrong. So they want to see him in the big ones. They want to see him potentially in the Champions League qualifiers. They want to see him in the Champions League group stages if Rangers are lucky enough to get there or the Europa League group stages. That's where they will spend their money thinking that's what he's like. So can he go again? Can he go and sustain that level of performance? That's the challenge for him as an individual. You know, he's not going to put his feet up over the summer and go back and say, well, that's me. I had a good six months, so I'm going to push on. So he doesn't look that type of boy. He looks really hungry for success and for progression. So um, if he has a good July and August in, Euro in the Champions League qualifiers or the Europa League qualifiers or whatever it may be, then that's when the money could come in and go. All the summer transfer stories are right here. The Go Radio Football Show with MacklinMotors.com Representing some of the biggest motoring manufacturers across Scotland Let's go! The calculations have been done, it's 26 hours to kick off Hamden tomorrow night, Scotland against Armenia um, Maybe not the most glamorous game uh, that's ever come to mind But it's massive for Scotland, they really have to, to bounce back and get themselves sorted off the back of what happened the previous Wednesday night 
because it all begins here. It's the Nations League. Some people don't get too excited about it. But uh, when you think back, it is the route by which Scotland uh, qualified last time around for the Euros. Uh, so they have to get the job done and maybe have a bit of style tomorrow night as well. Not sure what size of crowd it's going to be at Hamden uh, tomorrow. Not sure how much it's going to capture the imagination. Um, but the Scotland fans have to keep the faith. That's the message from Stevie Clark. Um, uh, you don't become a bad team over the course of one 90 minutes, although it was a massive 90 minutes and it was a massive letdown as well. The news today breaking that David Marshall is retiring from international football. He'll be a Hibs player next season, but he won't be playing for Scotland again. So it is Clark and Kelly supporting uh, Craig Gordon uh, for the goalkeeper's position. Uh, for Scotland, three games in a week uh, coming up. Here's a quiz question for you, Craigs. How many Scotland caps does Scott McKenna have? I've actually got it in front of me, so ah. I'm not going to look. I'm not going to look. Uh, I would think around 13 or 14. 23. Was he? Yeah. I mean, I was quite surprised um, yeah. when I... When I Noticed that I thought I thought it should have been twenty four. By the way, last well, last Wednesday night, I have twenty four down there. Have you on the front? I just printed it off. Yeah, well, so it could be anything. Yeah, it could be. Uh, I yeah. I got it off Wikipedia, so that's a lot more. That's won. a lot more caps than I kind of would have thought he'd he'd won. Yeah, but uh, but I, I certainly thought he could have been adding to it. Uh, adding to it last uh, Wednesday night, he was uh, he was featuring today at the media conference and talking about his promotion of course with Nottingham Forest Obviously it's a, a different day being at Wembley so many fans all the pressure on the game but it wasn't the best of games but thankfully we were the ones that managed to, to win in the end I think it's something that every kid dreams of so to get to the to that sort of level I want to try and stay in the Forest team first and foremost and uh, hopefully experience quite a few games at that level I think he's pretty highly rated. I don't think he needs to worry too much about if he keeps on uh, delivering those performances. He was man of the match in the, the playoff final at Wembley. Uh, doing really well. And uh, maybe McKenna instead of Cooper, would that have made much of a difference uh, last Wednesday? Who knows? Well, just because he was in a good frame of mind. Mm. You know, coming off the back of winning at Wembley, you're thinking, I want back in the pitch. I want to play for Scotland. This is another huge game. So to follow one huge game to another one, he would have been thinking, get me in. You know, Liam Cooper didn't finish... Um, the season at Leeds well he, he did but he hadn't played an awful lot of games he'd been out with injury so yeah. I just felt probably Scott McKenna might have been in a better frame of mind and physically a little bit better but Scott McKenna's a great one because when I was working at Motherwell in the 20s I remember not far off when he eventually got himself into the Aberdeen team and established he played against us as a an overage player right. in the under 20s mm -hmm. and and he was fine I remember speaking to Steve McManus and he, he you know Steve was with me at the time and he was up and down and he, he was steady but we thought you know, he's, he's going to have to go somewhere and play. He'd been at Air United and I don't think overly played an awful lot of games no. or he did. Ian McCall didn't really play him. He'd been alone somewhere else. I think he'd been at a couple of loans and you think, where's his career going? And it all kicked off the night that Louis Malt scored two against Aberdeen in the quarterfinal of the League Cup. It was the Betfred Cup, probably it was known as them. Mm -hmm. And Joe Lewis had an absolute nightmare. Mm -hmm. I think he threw a couple in and Motherwell beat him 3-0, went to the semi-final. But three days later, that was a Thursday night, three days later, Aberdeen came back to Fir Park to play Motherwell in a league game and Motherwell had basically battered them. Motherwell went back to front with their 3-5-2 system and Derek McInnes changed his system I remember on the Sunday and he brought Scott McKenna in from nowhere to play in the game and he went 3-5-2 and Motherwell played the exact same way back to front. Aberdeen beat them 1-0 and McKenna headed everything. He tackled everything. He cleared everything and from then he stayed in the team whether it was a back three or a back four so it's amazing how there's a moment 
where Derek put him in and he's probably thought, I'll put him in. Uh, I know what I'm going to get from the other centre-half. I've no idea what I'm going to get from Scott McKenna. Let's see how he deals with it. But Scott's a big aggressive, wants to go and head the ball. Mm. And from then on, Rob, he stayed in the Aberdeen team and his career has went in an upward trajectory since then. So it just shows you, it just takes a moment or a game where you have to produce. If he hadn't produced that day and they'd lost 2-0 or 3-0 again, he might never have played for Aberdeen again. He might have moved on somewhere else. So turning point in his career and great to see him in the Premier League. Hopefully a turning point for Scotland on the back of losing to Ukraine last Wednesday night. But uh, as McKenna himself says, uh, Scotland have got to move on. I think as professional footballers you need to be able to put disappointments like that behind you. We've now just got to focus on the games coming up in front of us and uh, try and finish the summer on a high with, with three wins. He's been given a good going over by the, the media and communications <laughs> yes. team, hasn't he? He's he performing admirably uh, there at the media conference The thing today. is, he's not scarred by last Wednesday. No. You know, he's coming in fresh, yeah. still thinking about that promotion. Yeah. So he's wanting to go out and show what he can do, Rob. Um, just hearing that uh, Vasilis Barkas of uh, Celtic that's probably a name that uh, sends a chill down the spine of uh, some of the Celtic fans because that was a, a transfer that dad did not come off uh, at all for them uh, but Barkas has agreed a season long uh, loan deal to FC Utrecht in Holland there was talk about him going, going back to Greece uh, but he's going on loan to Utrecht and maybe that is just the start uh, for Celtic of oh, quite a big job this summer uh, mm. getting rid of players who are on the wage bill and uh, being paid quite handsomely um, and they have no part to play next season I mean there's quite when you think there is Bolingoli still on, uh, still on the staff Ayeti Julian Soro Soro's another one yep uh, you then uh, of course you said Barkas James McCarthy where does where does mm. he fit in you know there's mm. probably six or seven midfield players ahead of him at this moment in time yeah. I mean I don't imagine he's going to go anywhere he's got a three year yeah. contract still well, he, he won't go anywhere willingly no. but, so but he's, he's, on, he's on, he'll be on yeah. good money for, for not delivering a whole lot which is not really his fault you know, no. that's what the club have decided to no, pay no, him. he'll be quite happy about you it you then look at the younger ones Alexa Mikey Johnson and Stephen Welsh yep. you know haven't really established themselves whether that's through injuries or, mm. or just getting into the team and this is where it becomes important for, for um, Ange Postacoglu. If he can get rid of four or five fringe players and he's looking probably to bring in two or three established ones. Yeah. You know, they always say strengthen from a position of power. And that's exactly where Celtic are at this moment in time. They've got a real good core to their group. They probably need two centre-halves. I think they need Cameron mm -hmm. Carter-Vickers if they get him, plus another one. Yeah. So then it would be him, Carter, it'd be Carter-Vickers plus one and Carl Starfelt again, depending on how his injury is. Everyone knows they probably need a left back. Liam Scales has been linked with Aberdeen, mm -hmm. potentially on a full-time move. So Greg Taylor needs competition. Tony Ralston and Juranovic, okay in the right hand side. Uh, in the right hand side, there's enough midfield players. There's enough centre forwards and attacking players. Jota is one they would probably like to get in. If mm -hmm. they don't get Jota, that sounds like it's so, happening, doesn't it? Yeah, that sounds like it's happening. So you wonder is he brave enough to go for one more? Does he go for another wide player? Just something. You've got James Forrest. You've got Abada. You've got Maida who can play it there. You've got Jota. Is that enough? Uh, he's certainly got enough midfield players so considering where Celtic were last summer in the major surgery the squad required they're in a position where they can pick and choose of who they get and they can probably leave it a little bit later if they have to because they've got enough cover whereas last year it was just a numbers mm. game let's try and get as many in as we can although he did hit the you know he, he, he certainly hit the mark with so many of them that was some strike rate wasn't it that was that? incredible so he just needs two or three just to fine tune around the edges and just add a little spike of competition through it because of course Rogic and, and, and Beton have gone but mm. certainly more than capable this season Celtic of, of having another strong win 
Back to Scotland before we finish on the show. It's just an hour at the moment. We'll be back to the full uh, two hours uh, by the time the league season is getting underway. Of course, League Cup is just about a month away, the Premier Sports Cup. Uh, Stevie Clark today uh, was asked about Aaron Hickey. Had a fantastic season in Serie A last year with Bologna. He came into the squad and I was impressed with the person, Aaron the person and Aaron the player. And it's He's in a good place, he's a good level. Uh, he'll learn from the other night and he'll learn from future matches as and when he's picked to play. And he wasn't the worst the other night either, but it, it was tough for him. He's, you, you have to remind yourself he's still only, only yeah. 19 despite having played a lot of football at a, at a really uh, top level. But uh, he's going to be good. And as Stevie Clark says, that he's, I think he's the right sort of character to come on from a disappointing experience like last week. Young boys are like that, Rob. Mm. You know, they take it. Yes, they're disappointed, but I, I think they can get over it quicker than yeah. what experienced players do. Mm. They sit and they mull over it. They think about it. You know, that could be my last chance for a World Cup. We may never get as close again. Whereas Aaron Hickey's thinking, when's my next game? When am I playing again? I'll go and play the PlayStation with the boys and we'll have a bit of fun. I want to play again. They play with a freedom. And that's certainly what he's doing. So yes, he had a tough night, as did a lot of the players, which makes tomorrow night even bigger. They want to go out and just try and put that to bed. They don't want that to linger any longer. Uh, Mark Guidi and myself were trying to piece together a team uh, just before we go uh, in the last minute Craig's just your thoughts I think Craig Gordon has to be in goals it's a big game for Scotland um, it might not have been quite so big had we qualified for the World Cup um, Suter and McKenna either side of yep. Hanley maybe yep, as a back mine. three Patterson right wing back yep. uh, will Andy Robertson play depends yeah. what, what shape he's in he what will. condition he's in he's a week uh, he's a week ahead of last Wednesday yeah. he'll play he's the captain of the team Rob he'll play McGregor to play absolutely yes. ahead of Has Billy to. Gilmer Scott, yes. Scott McTominay midfield McGinn yeah. Christie off Cherams I would imagine or Jacob Brown potentially but I would think Cherams mm. it'd be Christie off Cherams I would yeah. imagine I think the very fact that uh, London Dykes has pulled out uh, probably means that it has to be Che Adams who didn't have one of his better nights uh, no. last week but uh, hopefully he bounces back to form hopefully Scotland bounce back to form uh, tomorrow night Craig's thanks a lot for that good to see you again uh, I'll be back uh, tomorrow night with uh, Simon Donnelly on the show 5 till 6 it is remember uh, and then a fast car to Hamden for me uh, Scotland against Armenia it's a 7.45 kickoff. three games in a week talking football again tomorrow the Go Radio Football Show with MacklinMotors.com Representing some of the biggest motoring manufacturers across Scotland Let's go, 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 go. There's a new name for Toyota in Glasgow From one of the UK's biggest names in motor retail Macklin Motors Toyota is now open in Darnley We're bringing you everything Toyota Backed by first class service So come and meet the team And view the stunning new Toyota range All available with up to 10 year warranty Including the all new Igo Cross And new Yaris Cross compact SUV See our great choice of approved used Toyotas too Get expert servicing from our manufacturer trained technicians And specialist advice from our motability team Visit Macklin Motors Toyota now At Kennishead Road, Darnley The new name for Toyota in Glasgow